Yes, welcome. Week seven already to Cheltenham, only better. Look at the panel, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan McHugh has joined <laughs> us, our guest for the first time. I'm very excited about this, Ryan. Um, senior Betfair trader. You just told me before that you've been with Betfair since you were 19. Yeah, here a long time. 10 years in April, Natalie. Uh, yeah, so it does feel forever. It's all my work of life, to be fair. So uh, it's a long little time. So uh, no, I enjoy it, to be fair. Does that give you now? Does that now give you the right to put senior in front of your name? I don't do the titles now. Titles <laughs> yeah, all right. Leave that, leave that to someone else. If they want to call me senior, I'll take it. <laughs> I love it, senior betfair trader and Daryl. Always lovely to see you. Full of big smiles. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Uh, we filmed the second episode of Coaching Carter on Monday, um, so yeah. that's coming out next week, hopefully. So keep an eye out for that. That is. That was a great, great day. I can't tell you where we were yet, but it was uh, it was really great fun, and I did disgrace myself at some point, and it's on video. So, yeah, be funny to see the reaction. That is a great teaser. Oh my god, can't wait to see it. And Mr. Blake, how are you? Look at him looking so studious there, waiting. Look, just waiting patiently. Um, yeah, all good, all good. As you can see from the little patch of uh, light on the wall, the sun is shining and golden as it always does. Um, great time of year, not traveling as much. So I've been spending the last week or so at planting hedge and uh, doing odd jobs around the farm. So yeah, that's been <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> you you sent us a picture. It looks amazing, actually. Listen, we all need oh, I more did, yeah. <laughs> hedges. We all need more shrubbery. Yeah, yeah. This, this stops being fun when you get on to pass the, like, the 200 meter mark of hedge. Jeez. <laughs> 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 that's how bad the racing was this week. We're starting the conversation off. About yeah, literally. Hedges. Yeah. And well, as always, we're talking about fog. <laughs> as always, though, Daryl Carter, you have led us in so nicely for the elephant in the room which is of course the weather it, it can be a boring topic but we have to cover it because basically what's happened this week is we haven't really had any market movers and of course over in Ireland Nace, Daryl Jacob couldn't see in the fog so Daryl it's been tricky hasn't it yeah it has yeah and it was you know that Lawler's and Ace I think that it's so important particularly we're going to cover the Ballymore today but it's so important to give us pointers down the line um, and it's, it's a shame we couldn't get it on on Sunday but look there's I mean from a analytical perspective there's no point in running the card if if I if like people like me or or pundits can't assess what's actually happened so look it's a positive it's ripped and rearranged it's on Friday now so a bit of guesswork from us today but hopefully um, we might even be able to point you in, a, in the direction of the lawless winner on Friday so you know we could hit two birds with one stone here. Yeah, yeah Natalie, right. Ryan was working at Nace on Sunday. Um, I saw him on the television, a fair play to him. I was just talking about to him beforehand. He said that because there was only one race out of the seven, he's only taken one seventh of his wages for the day, which I thought was very commendable. Fair play to him. Uh, proper order, though, in fairness. Jeez, it can't be, can't be doing one seventh of your work if and I take, taking a full day's it. pay. If I can get one seventh of Barry Orr's wages, I'll be doing all right, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they gave him that senior title as a bit of compensation. <laughs> yeah. I much prefer I much prefer that senior title than a few quid in my pocket now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I love it. So, so Ryan, just yeah. So you were there obviously on the day. So just talk us through it. Obviously, I, I saw it as well. Saw the the tweet that went out. That, well, you the... didn't see much. No. <laughs> Yeah obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously it was disappointing that they lost, but they were quick to reschedule, weren't they, for this Friday? So at least I think if they didn't get it on this quickly. It would have been a bit disastrous being yeah. so close to the Dublin Racing Festival, wouldn't it? So I think that's important that they got the race run. They're getting it run this week uh, as opposed to any later. And then the horses potentially could end up running on Friday and then ended up in the Dublin Racing Festival in less than three weeks' time. Yeah. Ryan, can I just ask you, Mystical Power last week, obviously he's not running on Friday, but he was back from 14s into sort of 6-1. to one. Mm. The, the market reformed and you put him back in at 6-1. to one. Is that because you've taken notice of the, the money that was for him last week? Yeah, exactly, Daryl. Like I probably ah, like, you sneaky feckers. No, 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 hold on, Kevin. Now hold on. Let me I yeah, I priced the race along with one of my colleagues. So two of us priced it and we were a much bigger price, mystical power. Obviously, we went we threw the price up probably five or six o'clock the evening before, but we had a few reasons to step up and trip, um, slower ground and all was soft and Galway, but it was the end of July. And uh, we just didn't fit like with connections, obviously JP McManus owning them and Willie having a number of runners in the race. We weren't sure what exactly would happen with the horse, what was in mind in the future. We weren't, didn't think this would be his kind of his goal cup per se. So 
we did go in a big price. We laid plenty of it. We cut it. But when the race is reformed, we went in a bit shorter. But we it's definitely a horse we'd be looking to take on if he did run on Friday. We would have been best price. Like, we can hold 8-1 to one when 7 to 1's around. We don't have to be 16-1, to one, you know, type of way. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's like getting the answers to, to the table quiz before you walk in the door. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Well, a quiz... Not a quiz. Because we haven't got any big sort of market movers, we thought this week, we're week seven. So actually, we've probably got about seven, maybe eight or nine more shows to go. So we can say we're middle, maybe halfway through um, the whole of our Cheltenham Better pod. So what we thought, because there's no market movers, we thought we could have a look back and have a little bit of a, a, a look at stick or twist. So I don't really want to call it a game because at the end of the day, we've given our anti-post selections and it's, you know, people putting money on looking at the Betfair sports book. But stick or twist is a chance for all you guys to look back through your anti-post selections that we've already covered today. And then the chance to say if you're happy or would you choose another selection in respective races and twist. So this is going to be fun. And Ryan... It's great to have you on as a guest. It'd be really cool for you to either like join in and comment on the selections the lads have already put up. Um, potentially, they'll be opting to go in again, um, or obviously they they can twist. And then also, how do you price up these markets? Because it'd be really fascinating for us to hear a bit more from you um, about how you price them up, any value in certain markets, etc. So, starting with week one, that feels quite a long time ago, doesn't it? Daryl put up which. I love this horse. Jeroko de Rappanay, uh, Nicky Henson, 12 to 1 for the Supreme, now 5 to 1. Oh, that, so, that was week two. That was week two, wasn't it? Yeah. Envoy, Envoy Allen was week oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting old. My eyes. I'm getting old. I'm getting like this. My, oh, I'm going to have to put glasses on. Let's, I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to put glasses on. First week, Daryl is Envoy LN. 14 to 1 for the Ryanair, now 6 to 1. So let's have a look at Envoy LN, lads. What do you, Daryl, are you still happy? Ah, oh, some price that for last year's winner, Ryan, isn't it? Yeah, to be fair, yeah, 14 to 1, you're on a decent bet there. Although you would be disappointed. I would anyway if you used to go and win the race this year. 6 to 1, well, it's probably on the short side now, is it, Daryl? Yeah, I'd say, probably, I'd say he's probably about right. Obviously, the weekend at Ascot is going to play a big part in that. And we've got the likes of Banbridge going. Obviously, we don't know who's going to parachute in here. If John Bon and, uh, and Ergerman met at Ascot in a couple of weeks' time, would John Bon maybe parachute in here? So, yeah, look, you would, I wouldn't want to be going in at 6-1. to one, But I thought 14-1 to one at the time, a double-figure price about last year's winner. A horse that's got a tremendous record at the Cheltenham Festival. I just and you know he's going for this race. I just thought was uh, was a bit balmy, really. So I'm happy to sort of have him in the book. And the idea behind some of these anti-post bets, I think, is is to get those horses in the book at a bigger price, and then you can reevaluate the race at the different stages throughout the season. So mm. more than happy with Envoy Allen at 14. Yeah, and I suppose like as much as anything, whatever about Envoy himself, the sort of the scene has just softened a bit, hasn't it? Mm. Um, like Alahoe's come out and been beaten. Um, stage star filled his trousers at Cheltenham. Um, so it's you know there's always scope for a bit of movement. I suppose we have to consider that he's in the same ownership as Alaho. Um, so I suppose if you're being um if you're being really ambitious, you might think that the Mullins team might get a a dose of um of ambition and and sling Alaho into a gold cup, and then you'd be all of a sudden you'd be in an absolute beano of of a position. Um, but look at like you say, there's scope for others to to parachute in. Edward Stone is stepping up and trip. And um, this weekend, it seems so he could off the back of that potentially be a contender. And um, I did note elsewhere that um, that Ruby Walsh put up John Bond for the Ryanair, which I thought was an interesting shout. Um, mm. The thought being that if they he did meet El Fabiolo, I'm still a skeptical Sammy about that happening now. I think there might be a change of a change of plan, maybe if it looks like El Fabiolo is gonna, definitely going to go there. But if they did clash and El Fabiolo kicked John Bond out of the way. The thought is that maybe the Henderson team might decide not to take him on again at Cheltenham and potentially go for the Ryanair. So, um, look, as as is always often the case, there's rarely a Ryanair where the the scene stays the same for a long period of time. There's always scope for um for for chopping and changing. And why I got the name many years ago of the what the champion chase not good enough Gold Cup bottler uh, consolation <laughs> chase. Um, so you know, just we always bear that in mind. Well, hold on a minute. You have you have skipped over one there. 
And uh, this is your sort of like political media training coming into play, I think. Banbridge <laughs> is due to run. Banbridge, all that is due to run on Saturday. And obviously, he's, he's ground dependent. From an anti-post perspective, it's difficult to sort of weigh anything behind it. But he'd have a big chance, wouldn't he? Yeah, you'd hope so. Should the form has worked out well in his absence, hasn't it? He, he's not a, a complete certainty to go to Kempton. Um, very okay. much watching the ground. Um, it, it's it's a little bit softer than ideal at the minute. I don't think there's rain due, but just with, with it being cold and that, the ground might not dry out super fast. So um, he'd have a few alternative options there to Kinlock Bray. Um, not even the Leopardstown Chase, the handicap with the DRF would be a possibility. So look, hopefully... Um, he gets out soon. Um, he'll definitely get a run of some sort before Cheltenham. Everything's been fine with him. He hasn't had a hole up at any stage. It's just been a case of don't want to run him on soft ground because we know um, it, it's not his cup of tea. So, yeah, he, he, you'd have to put him in the mix. And, and this um, would be his target, own, would it? Yeah, like in, in my own head, personally, I'd love to see him try the three miles, but Joseph is pretty adamant that, that a mid-range trip is what's best for him and and um, the, the decisions are his to make. So he, he seems pretty... Um, you know, pr- pretty confident that that's what he's going to stick to doing. So, um, so we'll see what happens. The, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he was beaten on his return, but um, getting the run into him would be key to have him spot on um, for the big day uh, when the ground would hopefully um, do its thing and help. As we know, at La- Cheltenham last year, um, the ground went against them on the day. He was pulled out, went to one of grade one of the entry. So um, if it did rain around Cheltenham time, just be aware that he probably would be pulled out again and um, and wait for nicer ground um, deeper into the spring. Yeah, nice. No, good. Good for flagging. Oh, that's a nice uh, little review and recap there. So at the moment, Daryl and Envyellen is sticking. Kev put up Croke Park at 20 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett, now 12 to 1. So Ryan, that was a pretty uh, good good price to start with there for Croke Park. So have you got any views or comments on this selection? Yeah, I suppose the hour part is such an open race. Like at the moment, Natalie, we're 12 to 1 the field in the race. So it's kind of crying out for something to throw their head above the rest. But I don't know whether that will come. Like if, on the day, you'd imagine it will be a five, 5 to 1 or so the field race at the moment. Yeah. I just question, I'm not sure what Kevin thinks. I just question Copac's overall form. At the moment, it's not good enough for me to win an, to win an hour part. But as I said, it looks a really open race. For me, maybe Lachlan, and he's around a 12 to 1 chance as well. I thought he was good in Limerick. Um, he stepped forward a lot from his Punchestown debut run over hurdles when he seemed to learn plenty from that day at the moment I take a swipe at him but as I said it's not a race I'd be having a bet in uh, at this stage because it does look very open but Pro Park is one that should appreciate the trip at least Yeah and Daryl you have similar similar opinion because obviously like I say there's big prices there we're sort of waiting for, for something to say hello <laughs> Yeah yeah he's um it's just it's interesting that he's in the he's in the Lawless and Ace on Friday. He's, he was friendless last week when the when the markets were sort of forming, but he's obviously not going to be expected to win over two and a half miles. He looks a dour stayer. He's the likely type that was probably always going to go off much shorter than the price that he was. So Kev's done well to get on at twenty to one. Again, you could sit on him at twenty a price like twenty to one, and then you can reassess the race. So but he's got every chance. He needs to step forward, but an RPR of one hundred and forty one definitely puts him in the right space at the moment. So Kev. Are you stick or are you twist? No, oh, I'm very happy at the minute. Um, sure, look, we will know more after Friday. Um, and look, the 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 beautiful thing about getting involved in a race like the Albert Bartlett is, um, like defeat in the Lawlers of Nace doesn't mean you're on. You've you've got a bad bet. Um, mm. like if he finished third, hitting the line well in in the Lawlers of Nace, like he'd probably shorten for the Albert Bartlett. Yeah, you know that sort of way. And I actually, fancy him to run very well. On Friday, and um, like in the, the main theory with him is, as while Ryan is right in that his form can be picked at. Like my main theory with him is, is that they just didn't ride him to best effect last time. Um, I, I actually watched the race with Eddie O'Leary, funny enough, at Goffs, and um, we were both at the same view that it, it, we were a little bit surprised that he was bottled up in behind them. You know, big big galloping horse, and um, he he'd be seen to better effect under a more positive ride, which I suspect he'll get on Friday. Mm. And um, and look, we'll learn more then. Um, I think the price was right at the time um, and there's plenty of scope for him to do better. And uh, yeah, we'll soon see. Friday will tell us more, but uh, happy at the minute. Yeah, future racing uh, is is the key. But second week selections then, 
definitely second week selections, Natalie. <laughs> Daryl was on the beautiful Jaroko Jarapane, 12 to 1. Supreme now 5 to 1. Of course, I'm always giving you the prices from the Best Fair Sportsbook. So, Daryl, um, I'm sure you're still happy because he's not really done a lot wrong. But we've said before, he's just he can only beat what's in front of him, right? Yeah, look, he's not. Look, the pe- the the thing is, right? You put these horses up at the, like twelve to one, and people moaned at me for putting them up without seeing them on a race course. And now people are moaning that he's too short in the market. So like, <laughs> you can you could never win, right? So with these novices, you tend to have to take a bit of a swing with them and hope they're as good as you think they might be. He's done absolutely nothing wrong. I don't think he's been in the right scenario to put up a big number yet. Um, that doesn't mean he can't. He's been given mm. an opening rating of 132. Look, that's 20 pounds off a supreme winner. But you know that that 20 pounds time form have got him with a big P next to his name. So he's obviously capable of much more than that 132. He needs to be in the right scenario to be able to put up a decent number, and he hasn't been at the moment. Um, I like the way they've brought him along steadily. He's done nothing wrong. I, I've liked what I've seen visually. I've liked the like, sort of the feel I get when I watch the race. The, the, the speed he showed at Newbury the last day I thought was really impressive. And yes, he's going to get knocked because he's a short price favourite. But like, I'd rather be on at 12 to 1 going, well, let's see what he can do. I'm happy with where I am. Rather than sitting there looking at the market now going, oh, I don't know whether I want to take him on or not. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy, yeah. Fair enough. And Ryan, your perspective on this then, when when it comes to, to pricing up these horses, these sorts of races, and also your your take on what you've seen so far, what how you analyse um, Jericho Giraffe compared to the opposition? Yeah, I suppose, like, the average price, I just checked there, the average price that we laid the horse at is, is 12 to 1 for the Supreme. Um, so most of the damage we got done was, was at 14, 16, 10, 8, all the way down or whatever. So he's now into 5 to 1 with ourselves. We're kind of happy laying that price at the moment, even though he is a big enough loser in the Antipos book for us. Uh, we're competitive of him at 5-1. to one. There's, there's not anyone bigger than us. So we are happy laying that, as, as Daryl said. He hasn't shown himself to be able to put up a big performance yet. He has looked good, to be fair. But I suppose when you get under 5-1, to one, like under an each way sort of price, you have to have a lot of things going for you. And as bookmakers, we're kind of still... There's still there's still question marks there about him whether he's actually good enough to take to win the Supreme. So at the moment we're happy being competitive with him at around five to one. But as I said, most of the damage that we got done by was at around twelve to one. So he's been popular all season. He's been a talking horse, and at the moment, as you said, he's done nothing wrong. Yeah, and Kev, before we just get your opinion on um, Jericho Jarapne, it'd be nice if you could then go into your selection, which is a horse, obviously I saw that day, a uh, gentleman's game that kind of jumps for fun, 20 to 1 for Gold Cup, still 20 to 1. So if you could kind of, two birds in one stone, it'd be great to sort of get your, your opinion on these two horses. Yeah, Jericho, sure, look, we don't know, but everything he's done, you'd have to like the style of it, um, particularly likeable jumper, lovely and efficient and measured and clever. Um, hasn't had the opportunity to show us how good he is yet. Um, and look, Daryl's got the right price. And you'd be if you if you got that price, you'd be pretty happy um to sit on that and watch the situation develop. We're gonna see him again um before Cheltenham. Hopefully it's in company that allows us to examine him a bit more closely. But um, I'm pretty neutral on, on him at the minute. I wouldn't advise anyone to get involved at the current price. But uh, if you have Daryl's 12s, uh, if Daryl gets sick of looking at it and he wants to give it to me, I'll, I'll be happy to buy it off him. I think it, it, it's a good spot to be in. Um, gentleman's game, I, I'm not as happy. Look, it's still a live bet. We haven't seen him since, but uh, there's kind of two problems, i.e., um, we haven't seen him since when we were supposed to. Um, Mouse gave an update this morning. He might go over to the Cotswold Chase. Doesn't sound over keen on that. Might go to the Irish Gold Cup. And the third option is he might have um, a race course gallop and go straight to Cheltenham, which I, I wouldn't be in love with. Um, but probably an even bigger problem is that since that bet was put up, Gallop and the Champ has um, has emerged from the cave, Lazarus-like, um, to, to look like the, the machine he looked like last March. Um, and prior, so that gives the whole Gold Cup scene a different sort of a shine. Um, so look at hopefully he gets a run in. Hopefully he can run well, and um, he is the type that he, he does seem like that dour staying type um, that will always have a great shot to you know hit the frame at a Gold Cup. Um, but look at uh, be. Yeah. But that's we haven't the, taken, that's we the, haven't, we have, we haven't taken a short price. Tw- yeah, look at twenty to one. Um, you don't have far to fall from there. So look, hopefully he he stays on the tracks, gets a run, and um, and we get to see it in March. So you're not going to twist. You're going to stick. No, a stick, but it's not. It's not an enthusiastic stick. 
on your little, just, uh, little ah, stay put. It's fine. <laughs> it's just fine. Um, just but, fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, we know the jumping's not the problem. Which, I mean, I was blown away by Denton's game. Um, uh, Weather B. I mean, the jumping's superb, but like you say, it what you know, not been seen. This, that, this. It's just kind of it makes you start to feel like just a little bit uneasy, doesn't it? About the progress or, or what's going on with the horse going forward. Yeah, you you just want clean preparations. Yeah. So that the horse has the best chance to do is to, to to show us what he can do, and we can find out if he's good enough or not. Then, but interrupted preps just don't help you. Not not easy competing the Gold Cup off an interrupted prep. But um, we're not we're not in trouble yet now. But he just I, I want to see him get that get that other run into him now before he goes. Yeah, and Daryl, do you have any uh, opinion on gentleman's game on at uh, this moment? Uh, no, not really. I think he's, <laughs> also, he's got he's open to progression, but like Kev, Kev said, that's the beauty of anti-post betting. At the time he put the the bet up, galloping the champs looked like he was going backwards. Yeah, and, 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 the, and the division was crying out for something to take a big step forward. And uh, look, you, you take the chance then, and then you can reassess after galloping the champs destroys everything. And Kev probably feels like he's sitting in a seat with the house on fire with that <laughs> bet, but. Um, that, like, so, like like that little gif I like with, yeah. the, with the little with the little bear sitting down with the flames all around fine. him. This is fine. <laughs> fine, it's just fine. We all oh, need to make your own gif with a little teapot, a little teapot. I could set, set a few little fires around here. I don't know if the wife would like it now, but we, you know, for, anything for the podcast, Natalie. Uh, look, you know, he's still open to improvement, and he you're in with a chance. That's 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 half the battle. You're in with a chance. We're quite right. So everyone is sticking so far. We've had no twists. We're looking at the third week selections. Daryl put up Ashro Diamond 11 to 2 in the Mayor's Hurdle. Now 8 to 1. All prices from the Betfair Sportsbook. Daryl, are you happy in the camp of Ashro Diamond? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm glad to have her on side. Ryan, why, is, why did she go? Because I, I noticed one week she just went from 11 to 2 out to 8 to 1. Was there sort of a bit of a, a whisper about her or what? Uh, not that I know of, Daryl. I'm not 100% sure I wouldn't be able to answer that for you. But I suppose, I don't know, William Williams was three of the first five in the betting, hasn't he? So maybe when one of the lads were in that day, they might have read something or something that Willie came out with. But I'm not too sure of that. What do you think of her? Do you think she's got a chance? This is her target, according to... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't know. When you look at the betting, like you've got a Marceau and Lossie about ahead of, her, ahead of her in the betting. And if the, the two of them and Ashraw Diamond turned up on the day, I'd get it hard to see Ashraw Diamond overturn the two of them, I think. They're the type of mayors, the Phillies of mayors that can go into open company and can compete. Whereas I don't think Ashraw Diamond has that class about her. She be, she's a very solid mayor in mayor's company, but I just think take her out of mayor's company, I'm not so sure. But again, she's an each way price and Willie Mullins holds the key to the race. You'd imagine there's not going to be a whole pile in here with chances come today. I'd say you could probably narrow it down to three or four and she's yeah. definitely one of them, I suppose. I actually fancy another one in that, a big, big price, but um, I'm not going to twist on Ashraw Diamond. I think... Um... I think she's. Uh, I think she's the one to have on on side. Yeah. Are we allowed to know the other one? Not yet. <laughs> love it. Love it. I love these little teasers, trying to eke it out. But no, no, no. And Kev, week three, you decided to not have a bet. Very sensible. It's what we always say: gamble responsibly. You didn't fancy anything, so you didn't bet anything up. Um, but do you have an opinion on Astro Diamond or not? No, not a strong one. Now, look, Mayor's Hurdle is is like an extremely windy picture now, isn't it? It's your favourite. Uh, oh God, yeah. Um, a, extremely windy picture at the minute. We haven't seen a lot of the ones up at the top end of the market. There's always the chance for a no switchy switch. Um, some someone getting brave, someone getting windy. Um, look, I, I think uh, approaching it that way with something that's highly likely to run is probably the way to go. But yeah, it's just not not a race I spend too much time thinking about generally. No, <laughs> fair enough. Honestly, now if it was a, if it was not the fifty mares handicap hurdle, then the oh, first I, I find that really interesting myself. Here we go, here we go. Uh, well, it leads into our fourth week selections. Um, Daryl put up a fabulous case for Indiana Dream ten to one for Turner's Novice Chase. Oh god, out for the season, absolutely <laughs> sick. It was right. the best case I ever heard. It was a, it was a fabulous case. Yeah. <laughs> it was Didn't such a good case, Daryl. We just knew this was going to happen. It just knew it. But look, it's my own fault. We knew that the horse was fairly fragile. We hadn't seen much of him. You know, um, is what it is. I'm going to have to twist, aren't I? Because yeah, yeah, I'll, you got no choice. You've got no choice, have I? 
Um, I'll... Well, yeah, but binocular. <laughs> we got we got him back one time. <laughs> Kicking King, another one. It's the beginning of Lazarus. <laughs> um, look, uh, if I was going to play in the Turner's market, I must be honest, it would be Hermes Allen at 14 to 1 each way. Um, because I thought that performance at Kempton Point, Ile Francais was was pretty decent. And uh, there's lots of talk about Ile Francais and Gaelic Warrior going up against each other in the King George next year. And I couldn't see too many horses getting as close to Ile Francais as Hermes Allen did. But mm. this would be on a left-handed track, which would be a negative towards Gaelic Warrior. But he was well held in the Ballymore. Um, I'm not going to play in that race. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll put this, this, this horse up for... Um, I know, I'll... I'll put the one up. Right, National Hunt Chase. Um, Corbett's Cross, <laughs> sixteen to one. I'll twist to that if I, if if possible. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can twist. Yeah, the Neville's Hotel race that he ran in behind uh, Grange Clare West has got an excellent record for for horses going on to the National Hunt Chase. I don't think he's going to go. I don't think his jumping's good enough for the Turners. It'll bump into the likes of Gaelic Warrior and Hermes Allen. Do they really want to try and take on Grange Clare West again at Cheltenham and stay away Fay, who beat him in the Albert Bartlett, among other horses as well? On the old track, I could see him getting sort of left behind over three miles. I think the longer trip of the National Hunt Chase, I think they see him as a future Grand National horse. I think the longer trip um, will slow things down for him, help him out. He's got a touch of class. I thought he was staying on well at the end of that um, Neville's Hotel race mm -hmm. under minimal pressure. I think he get the trip. I think he's the class act. And I think that is one of the races at the festival that's pretty much there for the taking. So Corbett's Cross, 16 to 1 is a big price, I think. Love it. That was our twist then because Daryl had to because no Indiana Dream for the Turners. Ryan, that day we had Brendan as our, as our guest and he had no bet. So he decided that there wasn't anything he fancied strongly enough. Um, do you have um, a, an opinion on the Turners as it stands at the moment? Um, any runners that you'd like to talk about? Like, I suppose at the moment, looking at it, Fatal Vegas is a 10 to 1 chance. That would probably interest me each way. I think he'd probably end up there. When you look at him running in the race of Leperson last time, he looked like he was crying out for a step up and trip. Uh, obviously, there's plenty made of his breeding as well. He'd, he'd appreciate it for a trip in time. So, at 10 to 1 at the moment, he'd probably appeal. Gaelic Warrior is on the short side at 5 to 4. The fact he's been a challenge twice and beaten twice, obviously, he's unlucky the first year in the Boodles, but. A five to four chance. You want a lot going for you in the festival, wouldn't you? And yeah. at this stage as well, especially being an anti-post price, how much shorter can that five to four get? Like he's going to have his layers on the day, given the negatives I mentioned. So if I saw Vega, probably at the moment, if I was forced into having a bet each way at 10 to one, because I do think he'll end up in the race and it probably will cut up plenty. When I look down through the field there, a lot of the horses will have other targets, uh, be it the Arkle, National Chase or the Brown Advisory. So, um, yeah, it's 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 ten to one bag Gaelic Warrior at the moment. So basically, if you can find a runner outside of him, you're probably on a decent each way bet. Yeah, nice, like it. Well, our fifth week sections, um, Daryl put a mighty bandit eight to one for the triumph. Now twenty to one on the Betfair Sportsbook. So uh, a bit of a drift there, Daryl. I'm not laughing. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't. I'm not smiling. I'm just saying it was just tough woman, Natalie. Tough woman. <laughs> yeah, look, he was found with uh, he was found with mucus, I think, in his nose after the race. Um, yeah. So potentially a possible excuse there. Um, look, he still looked very good on debut. The time still stands. Um, he's a nice horse, but I, if I'm if I could only back one horse at the Cheltenham Festival right now, it would be Sir Gino in that Triumph Hurdle. Um, I was I was really taken. With, I was taken with his run in France. I was taken with his um, with his run at Kempton. I went back and watched his jumping in France. It was absolutely <laughs> spot on. Um, he's, I think this has got a, a massive engine, this Sergino. So if I could, could I twist Mighty Bandit to Sergino? Daryl, you're allowed to do whatever and, you like. And of course you can twist. Just for viewers that are going to moan, saying you can't twist when you knock your money on an anti-punch bet, blah, blah. I have put both Sergino and Mighty Bandit in the column already, so... Yeah, you have. You have. You're absolutely allowed to twist because that's the point of this sort of halfway market. And another point that you made, Daryl, I would I would be quite um, a strong opinion. If there, if there is mucus, it is a problem that can be resolved, but it's not it's not ideal. I mean, I'm full of mucus right now. I don't feel on my A game. I don't feel on my A game, guys. I'm just I'm not going to well, lie. 
I can barely see it's so much in my sinuses. I'm just saying, <laughs> horses are full of mucus. They're not going to feel great. They can't. Natalie, could I just ask what Ryan's opinion was on Sir Gino? Because I was can. super impressed by him. And I know Kev pulled a little bit of cold water on him. It'd be interesting to see Ryan's thoughts and how the market reacted after that Kempton run. Please yeah, do. I, I think I agree with you, Daryl, totally. I think he should be clear favour for the, for the triumph. Um, we haven't, like, we have weekly meetings gone through our prices for the festival over the past, I don't know, month or so. Um, I missed the last one, but definitely at our next one, I'll be vouched for him to be clear favourite. Uh, I think if he was three to one seventy two, I wouldn't really blink an eyelid. I think he should be down towards that sort of price. Obviously, Bunting and Stormheart were very impressive over the Christmas period as well. Bunting won down in Limerick uh, and Stormheart at Bunchtown, but what he done at Kempton, the fact he was still raw and green, like he just looked—he he didn't look like a four-year-old in four-year-old company. He looked like a, a much older horse. He, like he, he's a big, strong unit of a horse. He jumped a little bit high, Daryl, didn't he? Um, yeah, there's some engine there for him to put 14 lengths between him and the second at the back of the second last. He went on to win, didn't he? Next start, albeit it was a weak enough race. But uh, Nicky Henderson knows what it takes to win the triumph as well. Uh, when you put my bandy post selection as well, I think the key to it is is to make sure that we talked about the mayor's hurdle there, and Kevin said that maybe horses could switch and things like that. The key to betting Andy Post is try and find the runner for starters, and then once you have the runner, that's the definite target. Well, then you can work off whether you think the price is value or not. The fact Sir Gina will definitely end up in a triumph all being well um, is a big help. And six to one is definitely on the big big side of his price, I would think. Agree. It's fascinating. Go on, Sir Gino. Go on, Sam. Go on, Daryl Carty. He's excited. He's got a little glint in his eyes. What we like uh, to see. Better, better hope there's a low sun that day, lads. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't improve his which he probably, which he probably will, in fairness. But um, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by his old jump at the first day for Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Brendan was the guest uh, for this week. Uh, Kev was still tanning himself in Thailand at this point, and Brendan put up Edward Stone twenty to one for the Ryanair Chase. Now twelve to one. So, Kev, Daryl, Ryan, we can have it. What's Let's talk about Edward Stone for a minute because it's good to recap at this stage. Kev, okay, let's start with you. Yeah, it could be a good shout now because we're go- we're going to see him. It seems um, at the weekend over the mid range trip, and uh, it-, it could be a useful little race that now. And if-, if they all turn up and Edward Stone wins, um, he- he's going to be shorter again, and Brendan will will be in an even better spot than he is now. So um, it was a fair shout at the time, and it-, it could be made to look very clever come Saturday. Yeah, and Daryl, like I say, took that 20-1 to one for the Ryanair. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Look, he lo- he loves Kempton as well, so he's probably going to, you know, you'd expect him to go very well on Saturday. Um, age is an issue for me. Mm. He's, he's just pushing that. I know, I know Envoy Allen's uh, at 10 as well, but he's just, I don't know. I, horses at 10, they've had a lot a lot of races, particularly like the likes of Edward Stone, Envoy Allen. Um, he, he, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think he's gonna like he's on the right price. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the most important part, isn't it? Whatever happens on the day happens on the day. Um, my opinion on that is irrelevant, but the the price is a cracking price, particularly if he goes and wins on Saturday. Yeah, Ryan, that that twenty to one, it did sound pretty pretty good at the time for Edward Stone. Yeah, and twelve to one is not like there's probably a small bit of juice in that as well, given that at the time Brendan wouldn't have been exactly sure. I'd imagine that he was going to step up and trip, and obviously they had mentioned it, obviously, but now the fact he is going to step up and trip. Um, but as Daryl said, like I could probably more see him placing in the Ryanair. I'd be surprised mm. if he's good enough. But we've seen what happened when Shishkin stepped up and trip that brought his career back to life, didn't it? So the same might happen with Edward Stone. So we'll await and yeah. see. That's a good point. And Ryan, I want, I, I want to be a fly on the wall in these meetings. Like when you all sit down for these meetings, is there like coffee and croissants or like, I want to know. Yeah. Are yeah, any look, arguments? Anyone arguing? It, 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 look, it looks like that scene in The Simpsons where you have a lot of monkeys on typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> that, might be, that might be other firms, Kevin. Well, not that fair. Not that fair. Other firms might do that, but uh, I know it, it's just more, it's just more basically to keep keep on top of our liabilities and kind of discuss what happened because when we kind of cut cut prices off the back of like say the Lawlers is on this Friday. We'd cut whatever wins, and we'll, it's Kevin said something might finish third, and you might think that might be win for the Albert So there's only one or two people that will be doing that, and then maybe the following Monday or Tuesday we'll reassess because we have to give the quotes out quick enough to get our prices yeah. out there to the media. So then come Monday or Tuesday the following week, we will basically stay on and say, did we overreact there, or did we go the other way and stuff like that? How much we laid of it since? So it's basically just keeping top, keeping on top of things. Ah, so that's why it looks like it's been chipped in, like some originally ten to one and then cut to like eight to one, is because you're reassessing it. Yeah, there's different reasons there as well. Like obviously, 
we're happy to like if we lay plenty of of, of customers in, in the aftermath of the race we'll have another chat and say listen like when you're coming up with these quotes you have to remember like <laughs> the likes of Barry is literally off like he's on straight away sometimes we'd be slagging Barry sometimes he just come on straight away and be like uh, Kevin's just playing something in the background we, Barry does be on they're coming to the last and Barry's like what are we doing with that one lads and we're like Barry they're coming to the last sort of you wait and let us watch it so we have to be quick off the mark and that's why sometimes we can make mistakes Kevin Blake has just put on <laughs> I didn't even know I didn't even know you could do that because I can't even work computers the Simpsons scene on typewriters smoking with was it Mr. Burns is it Mr. Burns that's it yeah he had a team of monkeys writing uh, writing Shakespeare I think it was to be fair right that was a fascinating insight though mate <laughs> sorry couldn't resist <laughs> I've never done that before I didn't even I didn't even know if that was technically possible I was really I pushing the boundaries well. there I thought I'd done well there considering the bit of background uh, acting on there <laughs> <laughs> stay focused <laughs> oh, I thought that was awesome. Oh, well done. And, and obviously, we can't ask Brendan because he's not on today if he's going to stick or twist, but I'm going to make you want to twist. Take <laughs> <laughs> that off his list. So Don't I'm sure up. Brendan will stick on Edward Stone. And then six week selection. Goodness me, that was only last week, wasn't it? Six week. Daryl was on Mystical Power 25 to 1 for the Ballymore and still 25 to 1, Daryl. Yeah, look, this was a bit of a swing because of the Lawlers and Nace entry. I just found it very interesting that um, Willie Mullins wanted to reappear this one in a grade one uh, immediately after winning in July last year at, at, at Galway. Um, they spoke about the Royal Bond. This is a, obviously a well-bred horse, um, regally bred like that, by Galileo, first fold of Annie Power. Um, I thought it looks brilliant in July last year. Obviously, that form compared, compared to winter form, is uh, typically miles apart, so we'll need to step up. But I don't think anything is really outstanding in this Ballymore um, division, as we'll, we'll touch on in a moment. So, look, he, he's not in the rearranged. He hasn't been declared for the Lawlers on Friday, but he's in the Moscow Flyer. That was the race that Imperi passed one last year before going on to the Ballymore. So, look, we'll have to see him. But um, this... You know, these novice divisions are still crying out for something to really come out and be brilliant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a bit of a swing. And, Ryan, we're going to look at the Ballymore in more detail shortly, um, but would you have an opinion on mystical power at the moment while, we, while we're covering that? Yeah, I suppose it's very hard to know. Like, as Daryl mentioned there, he did take a bit of a swipe. And to be fair, he was kind of half right because there was plenty of money for him in the market. Like, he was... A, Six, 14, 16 to 1 chance. He was into around, what, 6 or 7 to 1 um, prior to the race being abandoned. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's just a, too much unknowns with the likes of Mystical Power. But, again, you're getting 25 to 1. So, he's one that could definitely shorten, given he's 25 to 1, if he did come out and happen to win the, the Moscow Flyer or whatever. But, for me, it's probably a too much unknowns, the fact he hasn't been seen since July. Um, but, as Daryl said, maybe there's not a standout in the race. So, 25 Ryan, to 1 is 25 to 1. Ryan, if... If Mystical Power wins the Moscow Flyer, your best educated guess, what price do you think he would be for the Ballymore and the Supreme? Uh, I'm just checking for the Supreme. He's 20 to 1 for the Supreme, 25 for the Ballymore. As you mentioned, uh, them in Perry Pass went to the Ballymore last year. Like, given connections, his breeding and everything like that, the, the Moscow Flyer doesn't look a strong race. I would imagine he'd get into something like a 8 to 1 chance, maybe, 7 or 8 to 1 yeah. chance. And that and that's exactly sort of the reason why sometimes you have to take a swing on these novice hurdles yeah. because that's been the sort of the the modus operandi for for a while with with many bookmakers anti postings uh, anti post bets. So you do have to take that swing and you have to risk being wrong sometimes. Yeah, of course you do. Nothing wrong with being wrong. I'm always wrong, Kev. Um, <laughs> an opinion on mystical power, but in the six week selection, you put up Blood Destiny. 14 to 1 for the Arkle, now 11 to 1. So, again, if you don't mind just touching on both horses, that'd be really good. Yeah, Mystical Power just held down as a bit of an unknown. Um, we'll be looking forward to seeing him at the weekend. Um, overcame a bit of adversity. Um, in fairness, most of it of his own making um, when he won at Galway. Um, look, Pedigree's obviously super eye catching. Hopefully, he drives on and puts himself in the mix because we, we'd love a bit more clarity in the divisions. Um, regard Blood Destiny. Um, I thought it was interesting that when the, the entries for NACE were reopened, uh, for most of the race, I think Bar de Grade 1 reopened, they actually put Blood Destiny in the two-mile novice chase 
Now, they didn't declare and they, they stuck with Mr. Policeman, but I thought it was interesting that he was put in there um, because a big part of putting him up, obviously, is the, the hope and anticipation that they do drop him back in trip, um, which I thought would really suit him. Um, and look, we, we talked about it a bit on um, on Wade in this Monday. You know, really, with these novice chase divisions, half the battle is trying to figure out what Willie's thinking and what he's going to do. And I get the distinct impression that he's going to step fast out of Vega up in trip and he, he's going to need a big gun to take on Marine National. And I just think that uh, Blood Destiny could be the one. So maybe we'll get to see him in the Irish Arca. That, and that, that would really sort out what spot if he goes there because that would be a pretty spicy race. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy now. I'm pretty happy if he can uh, if he can do his thing next time. Um, um, hopefully over the minimum trip, um, we'll, have, we'll have a live one, I think. So at the moment, Kevin's all stick, no twist. Daryl was forced one twist and I think took another twist on... I've forgotten which one he did now, Daryl. Mighty Bandit. Mighty. Mighty, well done. At least someone's got a, a brain and a memory in this <laughs> group of people. Um, Daryl, any any other views on Blood Destiny? Any other views on the Arkle, in fact, as we're as this is our last one to look at? Um, no, not at the moment. No, I'm looking forward to seeing Blood Destiny again. Kev's definitely on the right lines there. Drops back yeah. to two miles. He could be the one to put it up to Marine National. But I, I, I would just say I feel like Fasal Vega's last run was too bad to be true. So I wouldn't hold that against him just yet. Okay, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I suppose Kevin. I can see what Kevin was doing by putting him up. Like if you can get a runner in this race outside of the favourite, exactly like the turn as we mentioned, uh, you're doing well. Maybe the each way double at the moment is Blood Destiny for the Arkle and Fasal Vega for the Turners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm here playing checkers and McHugh's there playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I'm sure we'll see plenty of them sort of bet over the next few weeks and stuff. Yeah, but you are kind of guessing, but at least they're kind of educated guessing that Fasal Vega does look like he's crying out for a step up and trip and Blood Destiny. The, I think Fence has definitely seemed to calm him down a bit, didn't they, on his chest debut and ace? So he could definitely drop back in trip given his form over two miles. Great. Good to hear. Well, our next sort of section of the pod is our midway Cheltenham only better roundup. And this is really nice actually, because it just gives us a chance to reflect on um sort of star performances or performances that really caught the eye. So Kevin, we're gonna to come to you first of all and ask you it, it what your performance of the season so far is. Yeah, I don't want to be a miserable Michael now, but I found myself going down through the anti post list and saying, Ralph, what really grabbed hold of me now and gave me a shake? And, um, geez, it was a small enough list now. It was a yeah. small enough list. And she looked, because I'm getting, because I'm going first, I get the, to get the luxury of going for the really obvious one, I suppose, um, without fear of, of, of later contradiction. But Gallop and Deschamps was, was the one that really gave me a shake. You know, um, and it was great to see it because he looked like he was wobbling a little bit with those two defeats at Punchestown, having looked so brilliant up until then. Um, look, I think they've, I think we can say with a fair degree of certainty now what the best way to ride him is, and that's good and forward and use him. And like my view coming away from the Savills was that, like, scarily that he, that he might be if he turns up in the same form that he could even be a bit better next time because mm -hmm. I still think there was there was some remnants. Uh, of his jumping, get a, getting a little bit conservative there in in the first third of the race, and I'm hoping that that experience of being asked to come forward again might just might just sharpen him up again, and it could be even better next time. Um, so like that that for me that that was the real um headline performance of the season so far in terms in terms of the bigger picture. Like I could talk about novices and and chasing debuts and things like that that set me alight. We talked about blood destiny and a few others, but. Um, to answer the question I was asked, the performance of the season for me was Gallop and the Champ and the Savills. Thank you very much. Ryan, what about you? Really interested to hear your performance of the season so far. Yeah, I suppose I looked at the question a little bit different. Like, obviously, as Kevin mentioned, you can't argue with the fact Gallop and the Champ was unbelievable, left kind of Christmas. But I was, I was maybe looking at the fact that what would I, what impressed me the most and what I'd actually back um, at the moment. And Sergino, that Daryl mentioned, he was the one that I came down on, like, he obviously had a really good reputation going into that Kempton race. Um, I know Kevin's half smirking there. Maybe his jumping's coming into his mind. I don't know if he's a video of a, a, a horse jumping party that he'd be able to show away. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, no, so, like, I suppose when you look at, like, with juvenile hurdlers, there's so much scope for improvement. And we look at Burdett Road, the improvement that he made from his hurdle debut to his second run at Chapman was enormous. And I think the same 
could, could and will happen with Sergino. Obviously, he had a, a hurdle win in France, but he's obviously still very likely. He's had two runs in his career. I, th- I just think the raw ability he showed that day, I think he'll jump much, much better the next day. Um, he like it, His jump, and if you want to crab his jump, but he was actually getting too high at his hurdles, and that's not a bad thing. Like If you can just teach him to get a bit lower, I'm sure that can be taught much easier than getting a horse to actually lift his legs. So um, I just think the raw ability he showed that day, he's six to one at the moment for the triumph, which I think is very fair. Yeah, he'd be my, he impressed me the most, certainly over the Christmas period and maybe of the whole season. Nice. Well, before we come to Daryl's performance um, of the season, I just wanted to throw in um, one of the list of questions that we've had, which I thought was quite interesting from John WHU. It says, any early Cheltenham handicap selections you have an eye on? That's a spicy question. So, Ryan, I'm coming straight to you first for that question. Yeah, uh, I had a look this morning. Um, obviously, it's very hard at the moment. With, like We're dealing with, like, sort of Martin Pipe and stuff like that. We're dealing with no handicap marks. So, it is very difficult. But I thought, that, like, the fact now you need four runs, bar the boodles, to, to, to run in the handicaps of the festival, I think is important. So, you can actually, even though we're, what we're speaking here on the 10th of January, like you have a fair idea what will end up in the handicap and the likes of the the Martin Pipe and stuff like that because they would have had to have definitely yeah. two slash three runs at this stage, maybe one before the festival. So better days ahead comes under that category. I thought he might be interesting for the Martin Pipe. Um, we'll actually be going up with the handicaps over the next few days on the Betfair Sports, so keep an eye out for them. Um, I don't think he'll get better best price and better days ahead because I think he definitely won't be, with the Betfair Sports because I think he's definitely one with a chance depending on what mark he gets. And I thought my mate Mozzie looked made for the Grand Annual He's been well found in the market with other farms, so um, he's not going to be a huge price. But the race looks tailor made from when I'm hoping that he'll end up in that. I like it. What about you, Daryl? Any early Cheltenham handicap selections? Well, maybe I'll give them to you on next week's show because we're sitting here with a trader. We're both, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can't tell you the book exactly what you want to bet, can you? <laughs> handicap wise, um, maybe I'll tweet them. Like it. <laughs> Sorry, Roy. I do follow you. I do follow you on Twitter, Dad. Just saying. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, we do always like our, our list of questions, but it is it's a tricky one, that isn't it, Kev? It is. Look at the handicaps, you know, prior to weights, etc. Um, even entries, like it, it, it's it's pretty tough. Like you can, you you know, you you could point out ones that you think are being geared towards there. You know, to get, just to give an example, like Langer Dan. You could you could you know you could. You know, Steve, you wonder what a spot of what was going on there the last couple of seasons. Um with 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 varied luck with the end result. But there's a couple of, I'm, I'm gone completely blanked out. You'll dig me out. Oh, King of Kingsfield. That's oh, what we were talking about the other week. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we did talk about him already, Darren. Oh, yeah, we, we, we laid we laid out our we laid out our bit of a plan publicly. Um, but he's one that could be interesting now for something like a county hurdle. Um he's had enough runs already. And um, he just seems the type that that would be really well suited by it. I don't think when he gets an English mark, it'll probably be less than one forty five. Um, so with Gordon and his his riches and the novice hurdle divisions, he might be inclined to to swing him towards a handicap. So um, he'd be an obvious seven, one. Seven to two comes into my mind. Does that sound about right? What's that? <laughs> seven to two comes into my mind. Is that about right? Seven to two. <laughs> Jesus, see what I mean? Where's the gift? Where's the um, gift? Find a gift. <laughs> but, yeah, look at... Unexpected party for the skeletons. Oh, the, well, they might they might be planning a party. Yeah, I know. He's, 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 I've been watching him edging down the handicap and he ran at Ascot the other day, didn't he? And he mm. just was ran out of the back and I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, mean, I, I think if 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 um I dare say now that if if a British based trainer is that way inclined, the handicapper will give them plenty of help. Um like we've seen it with Langer Dan, like there is a willingness there to drop horses off the back of one or two runs that, that just isn't there with the Irish handicapper, he just doesn't do it. It's a very difficult thing to do at that level with an Irish horse to, to massage their mark down. Um, really difficult to do. It's much more achievable in the UK, I think. Just on um, that point, yeah. just on that point as well, Kevin. I've noticed over the last few weeks or so, like even what the handicapper has been doing with horses that have won in the UK. So go Dante, like I'm not sure if you've seen, like he went up four pound for winning that race at Cheltenham. He was valued for a lot more than a four pound rise there, given he slowed into the last. Mm. Victorino, Venetia Williams' horse, he won a hundred grand handicap at Ascot and went up four pound. He's only five year old at the time. He's now six, and he obviously won again after going up that four pound. So I just, 
Like you can win plenty. I think what you mentioned, I think the handicapper is definitely giving the UK horses a big chance in the handicap this year. And def- I'll definitely be following them because they've been given lenient rises. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a lot more to come from a lot of them horses. Yeah, look, it's impossible for an Irish fella to say it without sound without it sounding the way it does. But like it is, it, it's not just a kind of a anecdotal thing. Like in fairness, the, the the British handicappers did do a review of their procedures and their levels like a couple of seasons ago, and like they've come out publicly and said, "Look, we're, our levels have got a bit inflated, and we're trying to adjust them." And the means they do that through are by putting them in. Um, of lesser marks when they get their initial marks, dropping them quicker and rising them slower. So, like what we're seeing, um, you know, it is very deliberate, and the end result is that the levels against the Irish adjust because there's no such change mm. going on in Ireland. So the levels do adjust. Um, and look at you, you say these things and you get slagged when the Irish go and win a few handicaps at Cheltenham. But like the thing about the Irish at Cheltenham is they have a very strong numerical challenge, and it's it's a bit easier to become particularly well handicapped in Ireland, I dare say, and people always say, oh, yeah, put your balaclava on when you do it. But, you know, there's only a handful of really valuable handicap hurdles in Ireland and there can only be one winner. And you yeah. can run an absolute stormer in them and finish fifth and not go up. And then you turn up at Cheltenham on better ground. And, you know, even if you, you, your your mark seems a bit harsh based on what you've done, it doesn't make a difference because you have a stone in hand uh, and being kind of five or six pounds higher than you should be doesn't stop them. Um, and when you've got, you know, half the hand, well, not quite half the handicap runners, but he's not a million miles away from it now from Ireland. Like you will get a couple slip through, even if the, the treatment that the group as a whole is, are getting is a bit tough. Um, so it's something to consider. But I know it's an angle I've been looking at for the last couple of years in the handicap chases um, and, and the British trained runners, you know, I think have a, have a proper edge there um, and especially ones that, that are dropping um, the, I suppose the ultimate example was the horse of Ben Paulings called Global Citizen, um, who just if you if you look if you look back at him with the glorious benefit of hindsight, like that horse got the most unbelievably ridiculously generous treatment from the handicapper, and he, and he went and won the, the grand annual off the back of it. Um, and and you're, we're seeing that a bit. There's plenty of these older handicappers have been dropped real quick, and if 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 the English trainers are clever enough to be a bit clever about it. Um, they can put themselves in a in a really strong position, but um, there isn't as much um, there isn't as much willingness to do that in the UK. I dare say because there's lots of big valuable handicaps through the season that they can mm-hmm. go and have a whack at. Um, whereas in Ireland, there's 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 less numbers of big handicaps. They're really hard to win, and you can see why a few lads take the view right. We can slowly build and give ourselves a real chance at Cheltenham, you know, despite not being competitive all season, whereas in the UK, they tend to rock on and try and win one along the way. Yeah. I mean, who'd have thought week seven, this podcast with no real racing to look at, would be so interesting. Ah, you yeah, you got, got me long-winded long form there, yeah. Hey, who'd have thought <laughs> it? Well, Daryl, we're now going to get your performance of the season. Well, I can only echo, I'll keep it short, I'll only echo what Ryan said. Um I looked at it from a perspective of what horse really excites me. And he really, really does excite me for, for for the future. And like, like I see he was entered on Saturday and I'm, I want to get more money tied up in him already. Like yeah. he excites me that much, you know, so it has to be Sergino. Obviously, LA Francais, who's not going to go to Cheltenham and Gaelic Warrior. And as Kev mentioned, Gallup and the Champs, all fantastic performance. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of a punter, and um, I want to punt Sir Gino, so. Yeah, like it. I want to punt Sir Gino. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Don't don't get me on the giggles because then there's no <laughs> back. It just doesn't happen for me. Um, before we quickly look at our Ballymore novices hurdle, we can look at that um, anti-post market and, and who people fancy. We did have another listener question, which I thought was quite interesting, from Michael Walker, saying Gaelic Warrior, El Fabiolo, Marine National, Gallopin de Champ, they won't all win. Which one loses? Which one? Ryan, no, Ryan, hmm. let's start with you. Let's start with you. Yeah, I, 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 like, I don't want to like, back out of the question, but from a pricing point of view, like I don't think Gallopin de Champ is even money now. I don't think he'd go off shorter. Marine National is even money now. I'm not sure he'll go off shorter. I'd probably say he go off bigger rather than shorter. El Fabiola could go off shorter, so I think he's fine. And Gaelic Warrior will probably go off a little bit bigger. So I think out of the four, I think three are probably a little bit underpriced at the moment. So who I think might get beat, I'd be looking to probably lay at the prices. 
Gallup and Deschamps and Marine National at the moment. It's purely yeah. at prices. I think they're a little bit short. Sure, but Daryl? Um, I would look <laughs> at it from how, how competitive is the race going to be uh, on the day. Um, so, therefore, I think the Gold Cup's probably going to be extremely competitive. Therefore, I would reluctantly say Gallup and Deschamps. Kev? It'd be an interesting exercise to put this question to, to a poll on Twitter. Yeah. I sus- I, sus- I suspect Gaelic Warrior might win it. Yeah, because of the jumping out to the right. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily make it my answer. I think my answer is probably Marine National, but but only just. Um, it, But yeah, I think Gaelic Warrior, uh, there'll be a big emphasis on, on that jumping right, which clearly is a thing. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think it might. It'll be as big a thing around the new track. Um, I, I dare say. So and, and he does look very, very good. But yeah, it's a great question. In fairness, um, because well, what price? What price do you assume? Right, fourteen to one. It is right. 14, yeah, four oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. four, yeah. They're all four and running around evens. Yeah, I. As I said, yeah, I'd lay it. I have no problem laying that fourteen to one. I, I, I don't think it's possible. Oh, of course. There's enough neg. There's enough negatives. Mm. Um, there's enough. There's enough negatives, and in small negatives in each of them. Um, I think that you could play with confidence. Good question, though. I like it. I mean, I don't have enough people that like me on Twitter, so someone else could do the poll. <laughs> I really. Yeah, I, I, I lose in the followers front as well, Natalie. So maybe it's me and you not Bill. Yeah, me and you not out. <laughs> me and you not out. That's fine. That's fine. Could, could be one for. Could be one for this evening. Yes, can we on for the I like it. I'll just pass the book. Um, section three, we're going to look at our anti-post preview week, week seven, which is, of course, the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. Ballyburn, seven to two. Firefox, six to one. Um, Ineton Leak at ten to one. Found that easy to say tonight. Caldwell Potter, twelve to one. Fire and Glory, we spoke about Fire and Glory, fourteen to one. And um, Gidley Park, fourteen to one. Predators Gold, fourteen to one. Um, Slay Steel, fourteen to we go sixteen to one. Are in the betting suit, so you might have well, Kev Croke Parks now at 33 to 1. There might be bigger prices, but at this stage, I think Daryl will start with you. How are you looking at the Ballymore? Well, I'm waiting for something to come out and uh and set the division alight, really, because nothing really excites me. Look, Bally Burns has been very, very good. Like all the form lines for this race, as you would expect, rely around Ballyburn Firefox in Atlantic in Atlantic. Uh, Caldwell Potter, um, but I have I have Ballyburn for example running to 142. Uh, I have Firefox running to about 134. In Atlantic around the same 132. You need to be running to 150 to 155 to win a Ballymore typically. So there's a big gap. So something needs to either produce a performance, perhaps in the Lawlers and Nace this weekend. Um, improve significantly on what they've done in terms of Firefox in, in Atlantic, or Buddy Burn continue his improvement. So mm-hmm. for me at the minute, I couldn't get involved in anything at the top of the market. Uh, I thought the likes of Gidley Park was like an old tortoise. Like he's slow. Like he lobs along. He's so slow. Like, And I just think we've got a crop this year at the moment of novices who are good novices, but good novices, I'm talking 140 novices, but we haven't got any real standout novices. So at the moment, I'm looking anywhere else other than the top of the market before before Friday. Something needs to win on Friday, and that law is an ace, and be really impressive. If it's like a bunch finish, four lengths separating the first three at four home, I would probably not take that line of form. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, as I've said before, that Mystical Power will step will step forward and step into this and really step into those shoes and be something very, very good. In terms of prices, I'm looking. I'm looking. I was looking down. There's very little liquidity in the Betfair Exchange at the moment. Yeah. Um, but the likes of Manila Missile, I don't know if anyone knows anything about him. I haven't heard about him. He was supposed to go into the Chalo. He he hasn't been seen or or spoken of since he beat Captain Teague, who obviously went on to win the shallow. He's two hundred and ten on the exchange. That probably because he's not going. But there's there's very little liquidity on that. Obviously, uh, a fifty to one chance. But his time figure at Cheltenham was very good. Like he's not he's, he doesn't deserve to be a fifty to one chance at the moment. Um, and I, and I very much realise I'm talking about an Evan Williams horse to to win a Ballymore, and it's very very unlikely. But my more to the point is that nothing has really done anything beyond what he's done 
is is what I'm saying. So I'm trying to give you an overview. Yeah, of what, that's your point. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's a good of point. Of how I see it, and I think it's very very open at the moment. I don't have a selection. I hope I'm not going to be pushed to reluctantly side with Ballyburn, if that makes sense, because that's kind of how I feel about the horse. Mm. I think he's good. I, I like him a lot, but. I don't think he's a superstar, and and I don't want to reluctantly fall, fall on the side of a horse because he's the best of a average crop. Trying to choose my words very carefully here, but hopefully the lads can shed some light because I'm a little bit in the dark with this. Okay, well, Ryan, how how are you looking at the Ballymore? How are you pricing up at the moment, and is it really we need to wait for future racing? I mean, on what races have we got coming up? Of course, what can we talk about to, that will develop uh, this market? Yeah, obviously the Delilah's and Lace will have a big impact on the race, as will the two novice races, one over two mile and the other over two six at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, they're the type of horses, like when you look at the top five in the betting, them five will run and them three races I mentioned, so there'll be a big change, you'd imagine. But interestingly, I'm not sure what the lads think, but yesterday, or in the last couple of days, certainly, we laid uh, a few interesting bets on Ballyburn for the Supreme. Like We're into 13-2 to two now for the Supreme Ballyburn. Um, so like he, he, there's, there's a potential that he could turn up there. And for me, looking at the race, I think El Atlantique, Backing him before Friday, maybe for this race, might be the way to go. And um, when you look at his form last season, he was beating two of his three bumper stars, but I just don't think he was a bumper horse. Patrick Mullins tried to make the running on him, well, I did make the running on him in Fairy House when he was beaten by Firefox. But if you watch the end of that race back again, he was half coming back at Firefox at the Lions. So I think the two, two and a half mile on Friday will suit El Atlantique more so than Firefox. Firefox kind of out sprinted Ballyburn in that maiden hurdle of Fairy House that he won um, before Christmas. So the fact Firefox is a 6-1 to one chance for the Ballymore and, and Il Atlantique is a 10-1 to one chance. Il Atlantique kind of has to prove that he stays two and a half miles, but the fact he won on heavy ground last time, in what was, and it was a decent enough maiden hurdle. It wasn't a, it wasn't a below par maiden hurdle, I will say that. Uh, he beat dying by the car and no time to wait. Um, so I do think the step up and trip will really suit him, suit him more so than Firefox. And with him being 10-1, to one, Firefox being 6-1, to one, and the potential for Ballyburn to switch for the Supreme. Like, when you look at Willie Munns's armor in the Supreme at the moment, he's not going to rely on it for me as his number one string in the Supreme. I can't see that happening anyway. He's a 12 to 1 chance at the moment because mm. he's not in the Moscow Flyer. Sure, he's not. So, like, Ballyburn could switch. He, he does run stairs in the Supreme when you look back to the likes of Classical Dream and other horses that he's run in Supreme down through the years. So, with the potential for him to switch, I think Il Atlantique could end up Willie's number one in the Ballymore and a 10 to 1 before the Lawlers and Ace. I think there's probably a bit of juice in that price. Ryan, yeah. the Betfair exchange market is quite interesting. If you if you move the tab over down at the bottom of the screen to, to the bet view to 100, you can get money on Firefox, Ballyburn, Gidley Park, anything else. But no one's willing to lay a price about it at Atlantique at the moment. Do you think he's going to go a favourite on Friday for the for the Lords? Yeah, so obviously there was, what, three, three hours maybe. It was abandoned before the Lawlers and Ace, and I was keeping an eye on the market, and they were similar enough in the betting, but there was talk. Uh, at the track that Il Atlantique was really well fancied, and I, I probably, I probably side with him going off favourite over over Firefox. Um, and like you're getting, there's a four points difference, as I said, between the Ballymore prices between him and so I think one of them is a little bit wrong, and definitely Il Atlantique at ten to one would look a little bit big. Okay, Kev, your view on that? It's, it's it's really insightful. It's interesting, of course, and we are giving you all the prices on the Betfair Sportsbook. But Kevin Blake, how are you analysing and looking at the Ballymore at this stage, week seven? Uh, a bit like nice and Sunday now. I find it very foggy. Um, <laughs> like really, Bally Burn. Full of it today, Atlantic. isn't he? Do you yeah. want to abandon the podcast? Do you want to abandon the uh, podcast? <laughs> <laughs> postpone, postpone. Um, yeah, Bally Burn. Like I, I, I'd rather him over the shorter trip myself. He's he's quite free going. Um, good to see his jumping improve a bit the last day. But yeah, just he, he's still very strong. Um, and I could definitely see the angle of him coming back and trip in Atlantique. We'll get to see him on Friday, how he copes with the trip, but he, he didn't look to be crying out for it either um, on his previous start. I like Firefox. I'd say he he would be suited by going up and trip um, in, in my own view. Um, but look, at the, it's a race that's going to, you know, I think that the, the DRF will probably play a big role in this now mm. and there'll be something runs very well over two looking like you want to go further or something we'll put a stamp on the two mile six race um it's just very very windy um if there was a novice's handicap in place of this race now i don't think anyone would complain with it <laughs> uh. <laughs> do, do you get the feeling do you get the feeling that we're that a lot of focus is on firefox and Il, 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 atlantic and 
do you get the feeling that that could be the wrong focus? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, like it could, it could all get blown up now on Friday. Like, like I say, like, like Firefox, it's, it's just his racing character. Like, I think he'll just relax a bit better and give himself more of a chance. Whereas Willie's two there at the front end of the market, like they're just a bit hard on themselves. And, mm. um, but look, we'll see. Like, it's not, you know, if, uh, said it a couple of weeks ago, like five furlongs in this context isn't a giant difference. Um, around the old course of Cheltenham, like, and plenty of these would be able to get away with it either way. But, um, you know, when there's a lack of a standard contender, you have to hammer in a bit deeper, I suppose, and and look for ones that are that are going to be be a little bit better over one trip or the other. But it's just, it, it's a race. So I, I wouldn't be nailing any colours at the minute unless you're unless you're taking a big price. Now I'd be the front end of the market just looks very foggy. What did you make oh. of Chapter Salai? Sorry to cut him there. Hey. Um, tripwise, yeah. I don't jump on would want to improve. I thought was, was one of my main takeaways. Thought trip would be fine. Um, look, we'll, we'll see more. I'm trying to escape back to my notes here. Um, but look at again in, in the same category. Like, I I, th- I thought I thought Townend might have been tempted by him, but evidently not. He seemingly has a very big opinion of Villa Antique, yeah, but um. Look, we'll, we'll learn more. You know, that, that ground was... I'm always slow to um to draw much of a conclusion from, from racing on ground like it was at Clamell that day. Like, it was absolutely septic, you know? Um, so, I think, I, think, I think we'll learn a lot on Friday. Right. So, <laughs> septic ground. <laughs> right. Well, you don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want to be galloping on septic ground, Natalie. It's not nice oh, for anyone. Sounds it goes well on septic. Uh, sounds fun. Um, right, the <laughs> final part of our podcast to wrap it up. I'm going to get a quick anti-post selection from each of you on the panel. Um, an anti-post selection for the festival at this stage. Prices will be on the Betfest Sportsbook. But let's start with our guest of this week. Ryan McHugh, give us your anti-post selection, please. Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. Back to file, five to one for the Brown Advisory. Right, that was That's short. It. Very short sweet. sweet. Daryl. <laughs> Right, Ryan, don't cut this until it goes into a column on Sunday, right? But I'm going to put up under control at 50 to 1 for the Mayor's Hurdle. Uh, disappointed at the uh, in the Jerry Fielding on a seasonal term, but traded at 2.1, came there swinging. I thought she was, uh, would, would, was a good thing at the second last. She's going to, she's entered in the Betfair Hurdle. Um, I, I think she's very, very talented, and I think the division is, is wide open. And, I just can see her going very, very well next time out. She's very speedy. I think the step up in trip, though, is very much going to suit her. She's by Dr. Dino. Two and a half seems to be an ideal trip for those those types. And um, I think she's a, she's a horse that hopefully we can start getting excited about. I know Nikki continues to say good things about her. So, yeah, I think 50 to 1. She's the outsider of the entire field at the moment. But um, I want to I get her on side. I love it. Massive price. Mr. Blake. I know I'm sitting it out. I'm a, I'm a punch picker by by nature, Natalie. And um, if there's nothing jumping out, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna swing for a sake of it. So uh, yep. I'm a no better. You're no better. Well, remember, do gamble responsibly. We give you all the prices on the Betfair Sports, but make sure you check out the sports book for yourself. But like we say, gamble responsibly, very, very important. So Kev's decided to sit that one out. Uh, absolutely fine. Next week there might be something else. Of course, we've touched upon the weather, we're getting more racing ahead. So much more to look forward to. We'll be back again next week. But Ryan, wonderful to have you on today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, Good. guys. Hope you enjoyed it. 